Hello everybody and welcome to the best of season 3. In this episode, the dynamic trio are back as I'm joined by both Adam and Andrew to discuss some of the weirder entries into the Terminator franchise. This episode was a lot of fun to record and we hope you enjoy. In the year 2020, a red panda in a talking sandwich began a podcast called Chatsunami. As the podcast grew, they began attracting the attention of the dreaded podcast bots. Now, in 2022, beginning their third season, they must make their way through all of the Terminator films. Wait, even Genesis? Yes, even Genesis. Oh man. Well, Lisa's no birdemic. Welcome to Chatsunami. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Chatsunami. I'm Satsunami and joining me for the second episode of Terminator Month. Hello, hello. It's good to be back. Like, oh, I'm really, I really enjoyed the last episode. And I'm, Adam, Adam. I'm, no, no, Adam. What, what are you doing? Sorry, I was, I was, I was just no, saying... No, no, no. What are you doing, Adam? I was, I was just saying hello. Oh, you're, you're, you're just cutting in front of me, in front of this podcast. No, do no, do no. you call yourself a professional? No, 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 I wasn't trying to cut in front of no, you. No. Oh, good for you, not cutting in front of me. Oh, I'm sorry, Sassy. I was just trying to... You know what, Adam? We are done professionally after this. We are absolutely done professionally. Sassu, come on, man. Let's... No, no, no. We're done. That's it. I'm going out the door now. I'm going out. Oh, I was only saying hi. He'll be back. Hold on, I'm looking at the Red Panda lawyer. Right, okay, that reference is very dated. So yeah, <laughs> we've got the go-ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Christian Bale can laugh about it now. Did he not put out an apology right after to be like, sorry, please hire me? <laughs> his, his apology is great because it starts with, this has been a terrible week for me. <laughs> <laughs> I started salvation. <laughs> So, yeah, as you might have heard in the background, we have another very special guest who has travelled all this way to help us against the fight against the podcast bots. It is none other than the one and only Green Shield. Green Shield, welcome to the fight. Talk to the hand. Hi, everyone. I'm glad to be able to talk on Terminator Month this time. Unfortunately, I was chosen for three and four, so we'll get my, my, my views on, on those films. Better than uh, than later on in the series, so yeah, excited to chat about it. I mean, to be fair, these are your favourite films in the franchise. Oh, no, not just the franchise, just in, just, just in general. These are, these are the best movies ever made. It is very surprising to me that it's not received as well. Like, I, I, had, I had a look and I was expecting Oscar nominations, Golden Globes, but like a 33% of Rotten Tomatoes that just seems unfair absolutely these are underrated gems said no one ever indie classics indie classics yeah for all the wrong reasons cult classics if you will as you might have twigged on by the fact we had our christian bale freak out and yeah honestly we are going to be talking about terminator 3 rise of the machines why it had to have that subtitle i don't know but then we are also going to be talking about terminator salvation which i feel old because i can't believe that these films came out in is it right to say 2003 for terminator 3 and 2009 was definitely terminator salvation that is correct yep that's correct for both of them so yeah yeah Way to feel and, old. And, and, and in fairness there is also a subtitle to terminator 2 it's judgment day so terminator 3 wasn't the first one to a, a subtitle to it to its uh its movie name you've missed your chance to be in the last episode <laughs> Where's your time travel machine? <laughs> I'm trying to like slide slide into a chat about like Terminator One and Two. Like, um, here's my views on this. I hope you guys said this. 
No, no, the next episode's the reboots. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're going to be talking about these rather, oh, how to put it, very not underrated, probably middling films, because we all know that Genesis and Dark Fate, which is ones we're going to be talking about next week, they weren't really well received, but I'm quite curious to hear what your experiences with these films were. Before we dive in and cast our own judgment day on this, because I always remember watching, like I said this in the last episode, I remember watching the second Terminator film on TV. I knew the Terminator was like a popular franchise in the 80s, but I never really had much experience with it. And then I ended up, for some reason, I had Terminator 3 on DVD. And then I never really watched Salvation up until probably the last couple of years because I heard about the freak out and, you know, how bad it was for the franchise. But going to you first, Adam, being the resident Terminator expert, what was your experiences with these films? So I I saw both these films in cinema when they released. Probably between 2003 and 2009 was probably the peak of my, like, love of the whole kind of Terminator franchise. Like, don't get me wrong, I still love Terminator 1, Terminator 2, but I'm not as devoted to the whole franchise as I was between those two years. Because, as I said in the last episode, I remember seeing trailers for Terminator 3 and being very interested by it. And, like, I mentioned it to my mum, who was not is a big fan of the first two films. And so she showed me both of those films just before we went to see Terminator 3. Went to see Terminator 3. Like, I loved it. I was, I was absolutely in love with the Terminator franchise. I played a lot of the games that came out in the years afterwards. Also in the run-up to Salvation. I remember remember reading lots about Terminator Salvation, about hearing like about his story, about the cast, about what was going to happen, and getting really excited and really enthused for it. And yeah, and then I went off to see it. it must have been the first couple of weeks that it released. So this really was like a very. So I was really into. I was really into the the whole franchise during these years. And what about you, Green Shield? Were you the same when these films came out? Did you have a positive relationship with these films? Or yeah, I I had a very positive kind of impression of to be honest of both these films when they initially came out. I mean, I was very young when Terminator 3 came out. It was 2003, so I would have been just turning eight. And so I didn't see it at the cinema, but I did see it in the preceding years uh, on syndication on TV. And so I'd seen Terminator 2 and then Terminator 3. There's a very good chance I watched 3 and then 2. And then I saw Salvation at the cinema, which is the first and only Terminator film that I've seen at the cinema. And then I went back and watched Terminator 1 many like years later. Because Terminator 1 was an 18 in the UK, I wasn't old enough to watch it for a long time. Uh, whereas all the other preceding films were lesser ratings, which is, so, which is such a bizarre kind of thing to me that like the opening movie is uh, rated um, like more graphic than the preceding films but it's not uncommon but yeah i i'd watched terminator 3 on tv had enjoyed it preferred terminator 2 when i saw that but i was still pretty hyped to go see terminator salvation at the cinema and was pretty pretty happy with it when i when i saw it i had, didn't have much context from not having seen the first film uh, i didn't know who kyle reese was yeah I, I enjoyed it at the time but going back now it's a little bit different but at the time yeah it was a good experience how about yourself Satsu? i watched these films at the time and at least for terminator 3 because as i said i didn't watch terminator salvation until much later i can't actually remember what year it was but you know that's kind of ironic because Terminator timelines are all iffy. But for Terminator 3, I actually do remember having this in DVD. I remember watching it quite a lot. I remember liking it well enough at the time. 
but I don't really have any memories of saying, oh, this is fantastic. Because you know what it's like when you're younger. You have all these flashing lights and everything. And, oh, look, it's a cool robot fighting another cool robot. But when you get older and you start to really think about Terminator 3, you think, mm, this is maybe not as good. And I'm going to be honest, Terminator 3 for me is probably the most depressing in the entire franchise. When I was younger, I genuinely considered this to be the most depressing and kind of slight spoilers here, but we are going to be talking about spoilers for these two films. But yeah, the fact that it ends with a very strong ending and they really commit to that ending and you're kind of, you come away from it and you're like, okay. It's like, it's not the upbeat humanity versus machine story. Terminator 1 and 2 have like really dark moments. They have very serious aspects, but yeah, like for Terminator 3, it's like they kind of just say, nah, the other two films aren't, not that they aren't canon, but it's like they almost don't matter. And I know that's kind of a thing that Salvation, Genesis, and especially Dark Fate pick up on like much later to try and reignite that spark but yeah to me this was quite a depressing film but see without any further ado will we just jump into this and discuss what we like about these films what we don't like about them and have our very own chat so freak out about these movies let's go for it let's do it so we will be right back we just need to move to maybe a safer location but then again i don't think the podcast bots are going to come for us if we're talking about terminator salvation i, I think we're going to be safe hold on tight listen to these transmissions and we will be right back we'll be back welcome to shatsunami a variety podcast that discusses topics from gaming and films to anime and general interests previously on shatsunami we've analyzed what makes a good horror game conducted a retrospective on pierce brosnan's runs james bond and listened to us take deep dives into both the sonic and halo franchises also if you're an anime fan then don't forget to check us out on our sub series shatsunani where we dive into the world of anime so far we've reviewed things like death note princess mononoke and the hit beyblade series if that's sounds like your cup of tea then you can check us out on spotify itunes and all good podcast apps as always stay safe stay awesome and most importantly stay hydrated join me slade and my two co-hosts joey and tim over at the video game club where once every two weeks we review a video game not too dissimilar to a book club podcast you can You can find us at the Video Game Club on all good podcast uh, providers and some sketchy ones as well. For Terminator 3, this is a bit of a weird one. Adam, do you mind if I explain what happens in this film? Because I know you really want to take up Terminator Salvation. I am happy for you to take the baton here and lead. As long as you pass it over to me for Salvation. Are you okay with that green shield? (laughs) Yeah, go for it. Because I know, I know, your heart was set on it, but... (laughs) Yeah, no, sorry, that's for salvation. Terminator 3 is basically what would happen if you hated Terminator 1 and 2 and said, yeah, I I, I didn't like the happy, upbeat ending. I want to be as depressing as possible. Terminator 3 follows an adult John Connor living quite a mundane life off the grid, and he is doing his best to keep a low profile because he's still 
has this nagging feeling that despite stopping Judgment Day, something's going to happen, and rightfully so. Eventually, we are introduced to the next bigger and badder Terminator, the TX, who is a female model of the Terminator line. Say in all honesty, say this right, Skynet is turning into Hasbro with the amount of like Terminators they're churning out here. It, it almost feels as if they're just like, okay, the T-800 didn't work. Let's go for the T-1000. T-1000 didn't work. So we're going to go for this TX model, which is a... It's described as a Terminator Terminator. So it kills humans easily, but then it also kills other Terminators, supposedly, because it's got a big flamethrower. But we'll get on to that. The whole film revolves around John and Kate Brewster. They are trying to both escape from the TX and try to prevent Judgment Day. It doesn't really work that way <laughs> and throughout the film it is just like the usual cat and mouse chase they're trying to stop this apocalyptic event and no that isn't a euphemism for this film yeah that's as brief as I can be without going into massive spoilers but I'm gonna be honest this film is probably to me and I'm curious to hear what you guys have to say about this but this film to me kind of solidified that this was going to be a franchise even the end intro. The intro is so bland and boring. What I thought was quite interesting is they have Arnold's name, you know, as the Terminator before the title Terminator 3, but they don't even have Nick Stahl who plays John Connor. They don't have his name before. They don't have any of the other actors before the title screen. They just have that name. They have the title Terminator 3 against a black screen. And then they have the whole monologue about, yeah, humanity's doomed, blah, blah, blah. It's just, it's very generic and you kind of think, oh my god, this is going to be one of those films. But Greenshield, passing it on to you, what were your first impressions? of the intro especially in comparison to like Terminator 1 and 2. I mean, I can understand why Arnie's name is there and not uh, anyone else's because I mean he's the he's the consistent kind of factor and he's he's who people know as the Terminator. So it it I I can understand why they would do that because that's that's why you're coming to see a Terminator film to see Arnie. And that is one of the big things where we'll get to it later on when we talk about Salvation, but one of the big things about Salvation is the lack of Arnie. For a Terminator film, when like that is really why you're there to watch the movie. You want you want to see the sort of cheesy Arnie kind of lines and that kind of stuff. And so I can understand personally why they would bring uh, Schwarzenegger as like the main kind of focus of the movie. Going on to the monologue there by John Connor, I didn't really pay much attention to it to be honest. It just kind of felt like one of those kind of boring kind of introductions to it all. Like I knew I knew what was going on, so it didn't really seem necessary to do that. But like I guess it's just it's he's trying to set the scene so we understand. I don't know I don't think the others had a monologue to begin with. I could be Terminator two did. Terminator two did, yeah, that's right. Okay. Just to give you some context as well for my, my watching, I had actually before um Satsunami had asked me to come on and do do this, I had just watched Terminator One. Not for the first time, but for the first time in quite a while. And it was actually the first time that my partner had seen any of the Terminator films. She was kind of in and out, so she didn't see the, the entire thing, but she what she saw she she enjoyed. And so after that, Satsunami had asked for me to join in, so I then watched Terminator Two so that my partner could watch that as well she watched most of it fell asleep during some of it but enjoyed that and so was down to watch the third one and so we we, we kind of got, got the kind of context to understand like 
how the series kind of progressed. And so you do get to see a big difference between each of the movies and the, the tone of the movie, how the series is progressing. And like, I kind of just noticed just generally that what this movie is doing, and I'm, I don't want to kind of jump into it too, too, too soon, before, like as an overall thought, but it seems to be trying to replicate the kind of cheesy 90s or late 80s action kind of quips and scenes and whatnot, but like dialed up. It's almost like a parody of itself. And it's, it feels it feels quite self-aware, which I feel is kind of the death of a franchise when that happens. So it certainly became like it dialed the cheesiness and the self-awareness up in like the introductory kind of scenes of the movie with like looks to the camera and like glancing over and seeing like a sign like signs and reading reading out like amusing signs that kind of stuff but yeah regarding sort of the title sequence and the the monologue what were your thoughts adam i think it's only natural that this was going to happen a third film was going to happen just because terminator 2 made stupid amounts of money (laughs) for the studio and everybody who was involved so i think it was only natural they were desperate they were going to try and desperately keep this franchise going even though you could argue it's quite a natural Terminator 2 is quite a natural end but apparently as well like James Cameron had been writing a potential script for a third Terminator film in the years after Terminator 2 but then he became involved in Titanic and that turned out to be pardon the pun a Titanic (laughs) effort in both like production and filming and then post-production so I think he seemed to kind of lose interest in doing any kind of further Terminator films in the years after that but you know it seems like the rights were then sold to different different film studios and different groups of people who tried desperately to get Cameron back on board but he just he just wasn't interested and it seems like a lot of the cast as well, like Linda Hamilton had no real interest in going back to this. Linda Hamilton who played Sarah Connor in Terminator 1 and 2. She had no interest in going back to the Terminator franchise. And it looks like Arnie was very reluctant as well until they paid him an exorbitant amount of money to go back. I think I think he spoke to James Cameron and James Cameron told Arnie to just take the money. Take the money and do it because it was such a ridiculous fee they were offering to pay for him. So it kind of makes sense. And, you know, maybe it was like studio, you know, cynical studio executives looking for money. But at the end of the day, like I think there was still a bit of room there as much as it kind of had Terminator 2 in a natural ending I do think there was some scope to do more with this franchise regarding the actual start of Terminator 3 itself I totally agree with what Green Shields is saying like the reason Arnie's name is right at the front is number one because of the, the exorbitant amount of money they were paying him and then number two as well because if you're not like a, if you're not maybe as deeply involved in the franchise a fan of the franchise as others like you'd come to see Arnie because he was still a very big star at this time he probably was a little bit on the decline he obviously probably wasn't the box office draw he was in like the 80s and 90s but he was still a giant star. Kind of makes sense to like promote the fact that he was on there. That's why his face, I think, is still the it's still the cover art for this film. It's not the best. I don't think the first probably fifteen to twenty minutes of this film were great. To be honest, I, I think it for me it picks up after like in the twenty minute mark. I think it's a little bit kind of ponderous in the beginning. But I I, I think the, the the opening bits of the film do kind of okay in showing that like John Connor is this person who's it's just a drift and kind of like just floating like with no direction anymore after like the events of Terminator 2 and it was going to be this big he had this grand destiny to fulfill but it looks like now you know he's just he's got nowhere to go and he's no direction and I think they originally had planned to really lean into that like there's a there's a scene early on where he's sitting like over a bridge and like he drops a beer bottle into the water and that's when it then cuts into like the kind of future timeline but I think originally they were going to really like imply that he was considering committing suicide at that point so I think they really were going to lean into a very dark telling of this but they decided to pull back from that so it does what it does the first 
15, 20 minutes, it kind of sets the stage. You know, we see there's two Terminators that come back. John Connor is kind of aimless. We get introduced to Catherine Brewster. But I agree, it's not it's nothing special, to be honest. It's nothing to really write about. But I, I think it, for me anyway, I think it picks up kind of after that 20 minute mark. Can I just say that is the weirdest advertisement for Budweiser? <laughs> Are you depressed about your life? Yeah, I also know that because they were very deliberate about showing the label. I'm like, okay, so Budweiser, I, I, I even, I did know, I was like, Budweiser is sponsored this movie because they're very clearly advertising it but like it, it is like if i was budweiser i'd be like wait you've you've shoehorned in our product at like at what point in the movie because i mean don't get me wrong advertising in this series isn't new because i know in t2 i think pepsi was one of the big ones when they're in like the arcade and everything so it's not a new thing but at the same time i totally agree with you guys it is just like such a weird scene to be like budweiser because when your life goes downhill you've got budweiser you know and yeah like it sinks into like the sea of you know skulls it's like very avant-garde do you know what it reminds me of and this is my first simpsons reference it's like you know that episode for mr plow where homer gets like a very artistic director to do his advert for the snow plowing business and it like it makes no sense whatsoever and he turns around to his family he's like did you like it and they're all just like what was that yeah it just feels as if it is just like what why? But going off on that, we are introduced to a new model of Terminator, which is, as I said in the intro, known as the TX. This time it is a female model. Again, I'm very curious to hear what you guys have to say about this, because in the last episode, I made a potentially hot point about how Terminator 2 seems to be the, no pun intended, the genesis of what the other films would become. And what I mean by that is the fact that in T2, we had the T-1000, which was a far superior Terminator. It could, you know, shift into different people. It could change its arms into, like, knives and blades and things like that. It, it was a very interesting take at the time. But the further the films went on, the further they <laughs> made the new Terminators really crazy with their abilities. I feel as if in T3, they definitely show that. Because it could have been interesting. It could have been really interesting having like a female Terminator and seeing what they could do with that. But I I don't want to go as far as to say they objectified her, but they weren't far off. (laughs) So what I I assume happened in Skynet was they were like, we've sent two male robots back. Robot HR is on our ass. We need to have a diversity robot hire. We got to have a woman robot go back now. And so, and so they send her back in time. I'm, I'm just kidding, by the way. The, the panda lawyer is shaking his head furiously. It did seem very strange. I do think that they paint themselves into a little bit of a corner after T2 because one of the clever things about Terminator 2 is if you've only, if you've just seen the first Terminator and Arnie was the bad guy and you come in, you assume that what we later learn is the T-1000 is actually the Kyle Reese equivalent of, of the protector that's come back to protect John Connor. Satsunami, Adam and I kind of, I don't know if you guys had kind of picked up on those kind of like hints that like that's what they were going for. But like when I was watching with my partner, she had zero idea that Arnie would be the good guy in Terminator 2. And so she, and so she was so convinced that this guy who was pretending to be a cop 
was going to be like the protector and arnie was the bad guy and so she like was shocked when when like the the, the reveal and i think that's it was such a like so cleverly done such a good social commentary and on police and and whatnot that when you got to terminator 3 you know that arnie is going to be the good guy this girl this this female terminator is like clearly bad news immediately there's no kind of like oh, who's, which of the two of them are going to be the bad one this time kind of thing. It's like, you know, immediately. And that's sort of, you already, you can't lose a little bit of impact from that. And then, yeah, like it's, it's, it's almost comical how they deal with the female character where she gets pulled over by a cop and inflates her breasts so that she can kind of like talk her way out of, out of a ticket kind of thing. But she doesn't need to talk her way out because she literally kills the guy. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think she kills him anyway. So I, I thought at the time I was like, she's inflated her breasts. She's definitely just going to kill this guy. I don't know why they've included this scene. It was apparently an absolute um, pain to film as well because the, the, the airbags wouldn't inflate properly. Oh my God. I, I'm just thinking back to like Terminator 1 and 2. Can you imagine if it was like... <laughs> He tried to do a male equivalent. What, like Arnie's biceps, like in players? Yeah. No, I'm bald. Just in case. Bald, yeah. Sarah Connor. <laughs> Obviously, you wouldn't have that. So, like, why did you have to have? <laughs> yeah. 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 There were so many weird choices that they like set. They like sexualized this robot with as well, like uh, identifying blood by licking it. Yeah. Did you see the face she makes? I made this exact note. Sorry to jump in, but I made this exact <laughs> note that she makes like an orgasm face. When she identifies John John Connor's blood, I was like, "What? Why would they include that in her programming?" One of the things I was watching another uh, reviewer for this, and again he pointed out the same thing. But he said, "Can you imagine again go back to Terminator One and Two? But can you imagine if they did the exact same thing? Like Sarah Connor? Yes, that's me who's speaking. Yeah, no, it's just he looks at them and goes, oh." <laughs> Like, it, it's just, you're completely right, Greenshield. It's completely unnecessary why they do those things. And I mean, I know, obviously, there is that hint of, like, you know, showing off the naked Terminators in, like, the first one when they arrive, but they never linger on it, if that makes sense. Like, don't get me wrong, they do it in the third one. I, I'm going to, like, backtrack a wee bit, because they do it when Arnie comes in and he goes into the, it's not a strip club, but, you know, the bar. Yes, yeah, the ladies' Night, uh, yeah, and it, it, like, oh, I hate the the pan where he like sees like all the women kind of around, and then scans to the side and sees the sign that says "Ladies' Night." I was like, oh, that's so cheesy. Like, I get like that's that's kind of what the franchise is. That's what Arnold Schwarzenegger movies kind of are. There's a lot of that in his movies, but like, it did just feel like so different in how in like its tone how it's filmed than Terminator 2 was it doesn't get any better though as well because the minute he walks up to the stage and the stripper's on stage and he begins interacting with the stripper I was like wow this is you can tell this is an early 2000s film from the way that stripper is portrayed I was like woof <laughs> this has not aged well in any way the very uh, gay coded stripper flamboyant stripper. <laughs> it was very uncomfortable view. <laughs> Should we talk about Arnie in this film? And the first one, uh, as we know, like he premieres as like a emotionless robot, and he makes such an impact in that role. And even in the second one, although he's kind of he goes through this journey of finding his 
ironically enough, his humanity as a robot. I mean, that was an interesting thing that they did with that character. In this one, though, they decide that he's going to be a little bit different. And Adam, correct me if I'm wrong, but is this not like the... It's so unnecessary. It's like the T-850. Yeah, it's like it's like a slightly updated version of, as you say, the original T-800s that were in Terminator 1 and 2, but it's still a, an obsolete design since we've got a TX now. Because we made a joke about this in like the last episode where we talked about our idea for a Netflix show called The Skynet Scientists. And basically what that was, <laughs> was the fact that there must be Skynet scientists working behind the scenes making all of these like terrible decisions. Like what you were saying, Green Shield, about Skynet HR just being like, right, okay, the T-800 didn't work. We're going to send the liquidy T-1000. Okay, that didn't work. Let's send a female one back into, you know. But like, okay, but like, I, 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 I get that the robots will want to like improve on the previous model because it didn't work. But like, humanity was pretty fortunate that it didn't work. Like, you could have just sent one back again or sent two of them. And like, they would have won. Can I just say, I love how like, it, it's made quite clear in the first Terminator film that like, Carl Reese makes a point of like, the humans are on the brink of winning. And this is like a last desperate move by the machines to try and win by sending the T-800 back. You then get a T-1000, then there's a TX. It must have been like a fucking conga line of these things like, to go right as, as the humans are like just about to win. It's like, right, go, go, go. Like they're jumping out of an airplane or something. It just seems this infinite supply. Yeah, it's like the war zone of the future. I'm, I'm sure time travel's pretty tricky. But like, does it require so much power that you can only send one at a time? Like, why, why, why couldn't they send multiple? Because I think, and this is probably explained very deeply in the lore, I think it's because two naked cyborgs would feel uncomfortable with one another travelling back in time <laughs> so they thought nah one at a time <laughs> it's like can you imagine them just making eye contact and being like nah nah I didn't sign up for this I signed up for killing humans but going into the past naked that's where I draw the line and because of Skynet HR you know they have to comply with that so to be honest Skynet's own undoing was making an HR department to be honest. But what are your thoughts about the action in this film? So going to you, Adam, like, what are your thoughts about the action? Because I'm going to be honest, there's quite an interesting scene where there's like a huge chase scene, and granted, it goes on for bloody ages, but it's where the TX, like, controls all of these cars. How that future nonsense works, I don't know, but apparently there's a scene where a crane crashes through a building, and they didn't have the money for it, and and Arne actually took money from his own paycheck. I think it was 1.4 million, or it was a ridiculous amount. But he took that money and he funded that particular scene. I'm going to be honest, I'm just going to jump in right ahead. I do not like the action for this. It feels very... Like this film when it came out was a 12A, so... Basically, anyone who's 12 years old and up or anyone under the ages of 12 with adult supervision, they can watch this film. Other than one scene where the TX like puts a hand through like the chest of a guy, which I thought was quite creative. That is the only time you think, Jesus Christ, this is like crazy. Because the rest of it is like a lot of throwing. There's a lot of weird shaky cam to whenever something's hit. Like there's a lot of weird shaky cam as if the cameraman gets like a fright. Like, oh my God. It's just, it's all very PG and very light in comparison to like Terminator 1 and 2 especially. But sorry, Adam, 
I'm going to you first of all. What did you think of this in comparison? I would tend to agree with you. I think outside of the chase scene, I agree the chase scene is too long, but I think it's, I still quite like the chase scene. I still think it's got like some kind of crunch, like crunchy action to it. So I, I quite enjoy that, but there's not really much else. I agree. And I think, I think there's a couple of issues and um, for reasons why the action doesn't work as well in this film. And uh, number one, like I think this is a point obviously where they started to rely much more on CGI and it's just some of it looks just bad. The fights between the two, between the TX and the T850 are just horrible. <laughs> they're horrible in every way because they're stupid. The CGI doesn't look good anymore. And I love how this film is determined to let you know how heavy these Terminators are because anytime they hit anything, they smash through like walls, they smash through floors. The filmmakers want you to know these are heavy things. <laughs> like, and I get it, but really it gets ridiculous. And there's a point as well where like, there's one point that had me in hysterics where like the TX, the TX like picks Arnie up by like his balls and like just starts walking him through walls. <laughs> I just, I just it was the stupidest thing I've ever seen, but I thought it was hysterical. Yeah, even when something's heavy, you still need like some velocity to get through a wall. You don't just walk through it like they did. I, I did, I did, I did find that a bit silly, and like fell down and just like crashed through these tiles on the floor. I'm like, those tiles must be made of like absolute glass. Like it's that's, that's terrible. It's so stupid, especially because like I love like the fight between the T1000 and the and the T800 in Terminator 2 in the in the steel mill because like you can tell these are like machines that hitting each other, but like it's done in a way that it's not like not like a T-1000 throws a T-800 and he crashes through like the industrial machinery around but it, it's still done so well but it just went over the top with this and I think this film Terminator 3 also it relies too much on trying to replicate some of the action scenes from Terminator 2 and Terminator 2 worked so well because it, it took the it took the series in a new direction and it was very fresh and very exciting the action scenes kind of reflected that but Terminator 3 tries to like replicate those especially the uh, scene where Arnie comes out with the coffin on his shoulder and like sort of shoot up the police like cars is basically a very poor imitation of the of the scene from Terminator 2 where he does that you're just like I've seen this done better and it's just it just falls flat so I think those are the real issues for the action for me it just it just doesn't work as well and I do have to laugh that anytime a human gets thrown by the Terminator they get like launched like an American football hundreds of yards and like smash into things but are still okay can we just talk about that some of the editing decisions like as I said before you've got that thing where not only are the Terminator see this is what annoys me the fact that the Terminator Terminators no longer terminate. They throw people like across the room, and it's like, oh my god, you have a metal arm, drive it through their face. There you go, you've won the war, Skynet. But no, they have to, like, as you said, throw them across the room. And whenever they hit people, the camera shakes, it does this weird in and out thing. It's really annoying. But the one thing, it just reminded me, Adam, when you brought up the particular scene, which is actually in the back of the box. I think for the DVD where he comes out of there and there's like this weird slow motion as if it's like auditioning to be a K-drama or something. There's just like all of these moments where it's just slow-mo for the sake of slow-mo if that makes sense. Like did you notice that Green Shield? I didn't notice that as such no but I can gather that that probably was being overdone based on how they were kind of treating a lot of the cinematography in the movie. That was a very sort of mid-2000s action film trope. I feel like I'm like slow Slow-mo was very prevalent in a lot of those. As you say, there was like, it was pointless slow-mo as well, where it made literally no sense. It's like between that and Die Another Day the like pointless slow-mo I think they were competing with one another at the time it's interesting that just going back to the action kind of thing that car chase did go on for a very long time it caused my partner she she noted that like she was like you know what? I, I don't think I like the car chase scenes they go on for too long and I was like do you mean like this movie or generally she's like this movie but 
also generally it was funny it's funny that you should mention that the car chasing went on so long because it's what um taylor had noted as being her getting a bit bored with the uh with the movie during that point she actually really enjoyed the movie it was her favorite of all the ones we've seen hmm. <laughs> she did note that john connor is very cute i thought that he looked weird personally and i <laughs> I, I, I said, I said, I said, what, this Seth Green motherfucker? There is actually a reason for this, and this is something we were talking about before we started recording, but apparently Edward Furlong, who was the original John Connor in Terminator 2, the child actor, he was supposed to reprise his role, but due to, I think it was around 2001, 2002, roughly before they started filming, apparently it was because of alleged substance abuse and everything and the controversy around that that the studio dropped him so therefore they had to go to Nick Stahl who yeah is just another one of these actors on the revolving door of John Connor actors I don't know Adam see would you say like there's more Terminator models than actors for John Connor in this franchise <laughs> they, they certainly they certainly run in close in parallel for the number of times that John Connor has been cast as, as different people like yeah I don't know like I don't really know much about Nick Stoll I have to admit like I'm, I don't think I've really ever seen him in anything else like I can't really speak to his general acting ability I think he's okay in this film I don't know like I think somebody could have done it better I, I do think I, I do think he does struggle a little bit but I don't think it's like I, I don't think he stands out as like horrible like in, in comparison to Marvel. I don't feel he's like you're like oh everything else is great but oh my god Nick Stoll it's difficult to say who who is the best John Connor like you think my favourite is like the adult version in Terminator 2 like you know he only appears in like for like a couple of seconds but <laughs> he's probably my favourite because he looks what looked cool. that's an insane comment Adam how is that an insane comment he looks the coolest here's my thing right okay like John Connor is like almost as mythical it's supposed to be this mythical figure and that's what he is in the in the first terminator film and here's the thing about mythical figures like the more you see them like the less mythical they become i almost feel like the, the terminator franchise shows too much of john connor at points it'd be better i think if they just like he was a secondary character to be honest like they get a little bit too obsessed you never see him everyone just references him that way then he can stay mythical like the more you see him the more you're like oh yeah i remember when he was like drinking some budweiser and then he like crashed his bike that's not what mythical figures do yeah i, I get that i understand that to, to a point that it is one of those things where john connor is kind of elevated to being this kind of mythical status you hear about it like from from terminator 1 hear, hearing about how great he is and then like constantly being told in terminator 2 that this young john connor will grow up to be someone who's so so important but then you get to terminator 3 where he's an adult and you kind of expect him to at least look the part which he currently doesn't what i can see what they're trying to go for that he's still a bit of a dweeb like he's 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 kind of like a that's what i'm looking for he's he's not grown up since terminator 2 yeah he's, he's a bit of a waste of space and and so he has like a lot of growing to do to become that person and the, the start of the war kind of forms him into that person but yeah it, i don't know i i found his character to be quite annoying i don't think he looked the part i feel like he looked like a kind of standard early 2000s punk 20 year old I cannot agree more. And going off of your point, Adam, I completely agree with the fact that he is like this mythical, historical figure because all of us share that common bond as well that we're all history nuts. And the fact that you learn about like a mythical figure, like someone who is held in such high regard and the only reason they seem to be using his name is because he's John Connor and they don't seem as if they know what to do with John Connor. I mean, for 
God's sake, he gets locked in a bloody kennel cage. The hero of the resistance of the future gets locked in a dog cage. You're like, really? And then he gets like beaten around and he just, he's quite moany, I have to say. Like, there's a particular scene where later on in the film he's talking to the T850 and he's saying, no, we snob judgment day. Like, you know, a child. Like, no, we already went to the shops. Of course, Arnie turns around and says, negative, we only postponed judgment day, which again, that's kind of the moment that the whole franchise is doomed when they're like, oh no, we can churn out as many sequels as we want. We don't care. That's probably kind of a good point before we move on to Terminator Salvation to talk about the actual ending of this film. As I said in the intro, I find this horribly depressing, this film, because they basically commit to the idea that despite Terminator 1 and 2, Judgment Day was always going to happen and there's no way to stop it. And don't get me wrong, they do it in the most stupid way where they're like, oh, a virus has hit everybody. And they actually have a point in the film where one of the characters, I think it's Catherine's father, says like he's the head of, or one of these military generals, and he says going after this virus is like going after a fly with a bazooka, but they still go after it anyway because they're paranoid that this virus is going to mess them up, and then it turns out it's Skynet and everything. Well, in defence of that, he doesn't want to. Yeah, he does, you're right. He, he, he doesn't want to use Skynet. I think it's the president that calls in and delivers the final order to initiate it, and he kind of has to agree to, to do it, and then sees that it's it's failed. I actually almost wish the whole film had revolved around Catherine Brewster's father and the decision to, like, launch Skynet. To me, anyway, I find that a more interesting thing, like, if they'd built that up and you could have some, like, good, like, political commentary and social commentary things in there. But maybe that's just me, but I actually almost would have preferred the film to, like, focus on that. It would have been interesting for sure. I don't think it would have drawn in the audiences. That's true. It would have been very different, in fairness. But... Yeah, it would have, been, would have been, like, some sort of Mancurian candidate, like, spy yeah. thriller kind of thing. So you wouldn't get any talk-to-the-hand scenes or anything? I mean, why bother? You could still put that in there. Mr. President. <laughs> Talk to the hand. And then it reveals the, the president is uh, Arnie T850, T- <laughs> Arnie. Speaking of like Arnie and this particular sequence, because it mostly focuses on the cat and mouse chase between the TX and the T850 and John Connor and everything. But every so often they cut back to Catherine Brewster's father trying to, and I, I keep calling them that because I don't actually remember his name. I think it's Robert, I think is his name. General Brewster. General Brewster or that idiot who stood still in a conflict situation while he got shot to death. But anyway, I know. It was his daughter being impersonated. I guess he was pretty confused. Yeah, but he has the weirdest look. It's almost as if... he just seen two of his daughter. He's like, what the hell? Yeah, no, I think the movie makes a lot of bizarre choices, but I, th- I feel like that was probably pretty justified. I would also be looking pretty, like, baffled if two of my daughter ar- arrived. Yeah, but he gives, like, a Mark Wahlberg the happening face. <laughs> He's like, what? No! But do you know the deleted scene for this? Like, the reason the T-800s look the way they do? Sergeant Candy. <laughs> That's that the one. Yep, that's the one. Do you know about this Greenfield? No, is is like is there like a someone who like looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger in the army that they they modeled them after? Mm-hmm. Yep, the very same, and they don't even give him his Austrian accent. They give him like the most southern draw possible. There's a great bit in that. So yeah, like he already's talking and is like, "Hi, I'm Sergeant Candy," like doing that. And then they're like, "God, can we change the voice?" And then this other the scientist goes on, "We can change that." And it's like Arnie's voice like dubbed over it. I thought it was pretty funny. Though. 
it definitely goes like with the comedic tone in comparison, but I mean that's the thing. This film tries to make a lot of comedic moments and then at the very end they're like, Oh by the way, all your loved ones are dead and so are three billion people. Judgment Day. Da 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 I actually I identified a bunch of things that I was like of bizarre choices that the film made. One was when the TX is going around killing all the future military important people one of the people she kills is a fast food worker said fast food worker is wearing his full name on a name tag have you ever seen someone at a job who has both their first and last name on a name tag that is right in trouble yeah that, that that's such a weird thing to do like I've, I've had my first name on things but like you would never have your full name that's a bizarre choice i also noticed that when the police came to talk to quote-unquote catherine's fiance uh, who had been killed and, and was being impersonated by the tx to tell him about the news about catherine they updated him on where the case is currently like where they think she might be and it's like the police would not keep you abreast in that way until they had like found a secure because they don't know for a fact that it's her so you're not going to be like oh yeah uh, we think that she's over by this gas station up the highway like they wouldn't do that that's such a bizarre choice and then being like oh yeah we'll bring you along to go find her also you would completely arrest that guy the minute he's like open there he's like yes and it's like your fiance's missing oh no like he is screaming out like i i've killed her <laughs> and buried her in the backyard like he would instantly arrest that guy yeah another strange choice is later in the movie when the tx like reprograms arnie to be on her side she's got like a smirk on her face this is a robot why is it like he 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 i'm winning i noticed that when she's about to die and the look of fear on her face like the robot wouldn't feel that there's no like ability to understand no i get that in that regard there's probably a desire to like keep going because i mean the, the t-1000 in the first movie shows signs of fear and like and when it goes into the lava it's like writhing in like agony and pain oh you know what fair point I, I retract my statement then that's all fine next point John Connor saying to Catherine Brewster at one point when Catherine Brewster picks up a gun and shoots down this like drone you remind me of my mother knowing that he is later going to marry her is the creepiest thing you could say yeah there, there's no justification for that I remember thinking what <laughs> If anyone has, like, mummy issues, though, it's it's John Connor. It's because I'm like, this guy clearly has, like, mummy issues after all the shit he's been through. So then John and, and, and Catherine get to this, like, secret bunker place before they know it's a bunker when they think that they're still going to shut down Skynet. They enter the bunker area and, like, to check the coast is clear, John just fires a machine gun into the room. And I was like, what are you checking here? What is that going to do? If any, like, bad things there, it's just going to alert them to you being around there. And, like, if there are, like, people there, you might have just shot, like, people who could help you. So, like, I I thought that was such a weird decision. Maybe you guys think, like, oh, no, that's that's a legit thing to do because he was checking to see if there's any booby traps. But, like... I know what you do when you need to check something. Yeah. So if I go into a room, I like just start firing a gun in the air. I'm like, oh, it's all clear. It's like that Simpson episode where Homer gets the gun and uses it to like turn <laughs> off the lights and the TV and stuff. It's like, why are you using this gun to like check around? Like, use your eyes. You didn't even, he fired it just like directly forward. It wasn't like he couldn't just see what was in front of him. And then this isn't a criticism. It was just something that made me laugh a lot was when initially like the TX crashes a helicopter into the bunker to like chase after them. And then Arnie crashes a second helicopter helicopter in there when the second helicopter came in like i was just crying with laughter because this was very funny for one thing how did arnie know where they were he wasn't abreast to like where this location was 
He'll search his databases. He'll know where Crystal Peak is. I, I, I guess maybe. Yeah, it was so weird, but it was just very funny when one helicopter crashes, then a second helicopter crashes in. I thought that was very funny. That's like video game logic. Like you can't actually just safely land a helicopter. It has to like either get shot down or has to crash. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think I've ever seen a helicopter land before. I think it's... it's, it's... <laughs> Wait, helicopters land? What? <laughs> in a ball of fire. So just before we move on to like the next film, is there any closing points that you want to say about this film? Adam Greenshield, this is your chance to either defend or ridicule this film. For one last time. Do you want to go first, Green Shield? Or? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in just quickly. I don't have the same kind of vitriol towards this as Satsunami and potentially Adam as well. I noted a lot of the things I, that, that were wrong with the movie and I didn't like. But I think it's still a fun action film. I think there's still fun to be had there. I saw it coming. I mean, I'd seen the film before. It was a long, very long time ago. But I saw it coming with the reveal at the end that it wasn't in fact a facility to close down Skynet and it was like a safety bunker but like I still thought that was a clever reveal that they did they did that and my partner she reacted like appropriately for that and she thought she thought oh my goodness what like that, that was that's devastating for them it's very clever kind of thing and the fact that you could see that there was like a pre- presidential podium kind of thing for the president to give his declaration speech in time of war I do think that there was a, quite a few things that make this a fun action movie that has the enough in it that it makes it like a decent like Terminator film I do think it is the weakest of the trilogy but it, it is certainly stronger than those that come after it and so I don't think it's a terrible movie I think it's it is a very watchable fun action romp what are your thoughts, Adam? So I, I do think it's the weakest of the of the trilogy, of the original trilogy. I actually like this one quite a lot. Again, it's not perfect. Like, the, there's a lot of flaws in it. But I still really enjoy it, to be honest. I actually have a lot of fun watching this. I actually ended up watching this film twice <laughs> yesterday, <laughs> the, the day before recording. I really do like this film. I think it's a fairly good action film. I think it's a fairly good Terminator film as well. And I have to say, like, I love the ending to this film. I genuinely think it was such a brave decision. And I think it was, I think it was the right decision. And I think it's great. Like, I love that they committed to that you know if this was to have been the end of the terminator franchise i think it was actually been a perfect ending been perfect just to have rounded all that and we, we we ultimately know what's going to happen but i think it would have been a lovely kind of perfect sort of little bow on the end of it but my only big criticism of this film is i almost wish it had leaned far more into just the kind of nihilism and bleakness i think it's just a little bit tonally it can be a bit all over the place sometimes although i do think there are some actually genuinely funny moments in this like i think arnie has some great lines like the one where he picks up john Connor and he's like anger is better than despair really got a good laugh out of me than some of the other ones as well so i do generally like this film like it, it's not it's not a patch on on terminator 1 or terminator 2 for me but yeah I, i'm with you Rachel. i actually do like this film i think it's a lot of fun and on your point about the the ending i do i also agree i think it's a really good transition into what will happen in this world that we don't necessarily need to see but we know we know from context of terminator 1 what happens because I think in Terminator One, it's revealed that humans are about to win. Yeah, and and, and so the, in a desperate attempt, the machines have sent back the T eight hundred to stop John Connor from being born. And so it, that that context clue suggests that yes, there will be this apocalypse happening, but we will come out of it and likely win in this kind of cycle. I don't like the end bit with John Connor speaking into the radio. I feel because he's still kind of like muttering under his breath and he's like, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm in charge now. That should have been the point, I think, where they should have 
pushed that this that, that this was the guy who was going to lead the resistance that was like the strong figure i think they should have done a bit more with john connor during the film to turn him into because if this was to be the last film which we know now it's not but if this was to be the last film in the, in the in the series it's rounded off that john connor is now this strong figure that can then lead the resistance and like he goes to the radio and you can barely hear what he says and he's like muttering and like i, th- I think the guy on the other end is like Who, who's that speak up <laughs> it's like yeah you're not the only one if he properly stated who he was and like that he's in a position to know how to deal with this this threat and like how he will lead he will lead everyone and like you could give like a, a fun kind of speech the kind of thing like you see in oh, we're going to talk about salvation in a second but like in salvation john connor gives these like podcasts where he gives these like little brave speeches these radio broadcasts and like if he'd given something along those lines in this then i think it would have been much better throwing back to adam if you have any opinion on that before we throw it then to satsu i completely agree that like i think that was a misstep at the end there like just just actually just you saying that about the lines that like uh, christian bale does uh, as john connor in terminator like if the, if the end line terminator 3 had been something like they're like Who, who's there is like i'm john connor you're the resistance would have been such a great line to just end with you know and then we don't even need to really worry about the kind of ending monologue you know that would have just been the perfect like this is the start of the of the war against against Skynet now so yeah I completely agree. No, those are some fantastic points. To be fair, honestly, my kind of closing point about this film it's a film that definitely, as you guys said, it's not the worst of the franchise. It definitely there's bits that could have been done better, but there's a lot of whiplash. In this film, you know, you've got the comedic moments. Like, for example, if you took a screenshot of Naked Army and that ladies' night scene, and then you just take, like, a scene of, like, Manhattan or something getting blown up by a nuclear weapon, you wouldn't connect the two films together. At the same time, I totally agree with what you were saying, Adam. It is good that they did just commit to an ending. They didn't try to say, oh, it's another T2 or another T1. But my conflict for for this film is just the fact that it does feel almost like they are setting up for like a franchise it's not like T1 and 2 you know they had very closed endings where they wrapped a bow and everything and then for Terminator 3 they're like oh no Judgment Day is going to happen so I, I do agree with you I think that the nihilism aspect could have been explored a bit more but at the same time there are a lot of fun scenes in this there's a lot of action that although it maybe goes on for quite a while at least they have fun with a lot of the actors, you know, with the TX, with the T850 and Green Shield going on to your point, I totally agree I think John Connor spends the majority of the film moaning about not wanting Judgment Day to happen, for obvious reasons it's not like saying, oh I don't want ketchup with my fries, it's more like I don't want the world to burn but the way, as you said it's almost like a school child going up to give a presentation and being like you know, John Connor Overall, yeah, this film's not the worst. It's not the best of the trilogy, but it's certainly not the worst. And that segues very well into Terminator Salvation, which was released in 2009, and it is such a meme at this point that I remember when Adam and I went to see these films together, we saw a back-to-back feature where they showed Terminator 1 and then they showed Terminator 2 right after it. And I remember the guy or one of the staff members coming out and making a joke saying, oh, welcome to a double billing of Terminator Salvation and everybody laughed and things. So this film and the franchise is really cemented as one of the worst ones. Looking at the future ones about 
we will talk about that in future episodes, but looking at the other ones, I don't think it is the worst in hindsight, but it certainly doesn't make this film any better. Going to you, Adam, what can you tell us about Terminator Salvation? What is this film about? Okay, well, I'm going to quote the, the late, great Roger Ebert here in his summary of Terminator Salvation. So are you ready? Terminator Salvation. The story is, Guy dies, finds himself resurrected, meets others, fights. That lasts for almost two hours. Thank you. I'm here all week. You know what? That's a perfect summary. I, I actually can't add any more to that. I mean, I don't know how I can improve on that, but the general plot of Terminator Salvation is we're now deep in the in the war between humans and Skynet. John Connor is a, a prominent soldier in the Resistance, but not quite the leader. And he's a bit of a, a bit of a rogue and a, a bit of an outsider. He's a renegade. He's a renegade, exactly, with a, with a podcast, as, as Green Shot already, already pointed out. I, too, am a bit of a John Connor. <laughs> what, you mean that, like, rousing speech at the end wasn't enough for them in Salvation? <laughs> Apparently not. They needed more. So, yeah, so he is trying to basically find Kyle Reese and protect him, because Kyle Reese is his father in a very convoluted way, but that's his his goal. At the same time, we're introduced to a character called Marcus, who was a prisoner, who was executed by the state just before Judgment Day happens. And then Marcus is resurrected and questions, you know, who is he? Like, why is he here? What happens? And he goes searching for answers. And he happens to come across Kyle Reese, surprise, surprise. We have the story of John and the story of Marcus, and they will intersect at many points as we barrel towards a, a climax of some sorts. And what a climax it is, because it is one of the most boring films I think I've ever watched. It's one of these films that has action for the sake of action that reminds me a wee bit of Man of Steel, where it's just nothing but gritty action. And it feels very generic. I don't know how you guys feel, but it feels very generic. This is genuinely one of my issues, and you're probably going to laugh at this green shield, but I was moaning to Adam about this. So in Terminator 1 and 2, we see glimpses of the future. We see like a very blue, purpley palette. We see all of these skulls everywhere, these machines with treads on them, like hunting through the debris, trying to kill humans, all these lasers firing around. Remember the lasers, because this is going to be very important in a second. Where are the lasers in this film? Where's the futuristic aspect of this? Because the only thing Terminator about this film are the T-600s, the T-800s, the stereotypical Terminator design. There's no lasers. There's no inkling of having like a resistance movement. They're all pretty well organised. They've got helicopters, for Christ's sake. They've got this massive army. So it seems almost as if it is just just like the American army against Skynet, which, you know, you have to focus on one part of the world, but it just feels very generic. It doesn't feel futuristic, bar obviously the Terminators and the machines, but Greenshield, do you agree with that? Yes and no. I do agree on the generic side. I do think it is very cookie-cutter sci-fi action kind of movie. I've seen lots of films very similar to it from around that, that period. It doesn't really leave a mark so much in that way. But to the point you're saying about it's not future enough and what we see from flashes forward, I guess, in the other movies, what we're seeing those flashes forward are is another like 10 year, 10, 15 years into the future. And so presumably in that time, you then are developing these other robots like the T-1000, the TX, these machines haven't been made at this point in Terminator Salvation. Like Skynet hasn't developed much further along than what they've been able to make with the T-800s. So 
I can understand why it's not quite as advanced. The most advanced thing that I noticed was the gigantic scavenger robot thing that like grabbed people. Sorry, you mean the most silent, gigantic <laughs> Pacific Rim looking? Yeah, I don't know how it's. I don't know how it snuck up on them. Like every every step of it would shake the ground. So that that was very bizarre. And it took like the girl star who's mute was the only one who like realized it was coming. Yeah, like there's not noticing like a Terminator sneaking up on you versus. I, as you said, like this gargantuan machine that like hisses and goes, oh, and <laughs> snatches you. These people genuinely act like Skyrim NPCs. You know that way with you sneak and you fire an arrow at their face and then they just go, oh, must have been the wind. They all had buckets on their head. They weren't able to see this. <laughs> Whatever, the, the child snatcher robot come up and get them. <laughs> child snatcher <laughs> robot. <laughs> I like that. The shitty, shitty bang bang robot. Another robot design. So this is me directly talking to the Skynet scientist here. As I said before, in Terminator 1 and 2, you see these robots that fly around, you see ones that have tank treads, because, you know, you're going to be on battlefields that are very, very uneven, right? You're going to be in ones that you have to roll over, and that is is a very brutal image, because, you know, if you think of a tank, they're very brutal and massive hulking war machines and things. It's the same with these ones in Terminator. Apologies for the profanity, skip five seconds, but why the fuck do they have motorcycles? in the future where there's skulls everywhere presumably the infrastructure of the roads are even worse in this film than they are in the future like why why do they have motorcycles what idiot at skynet was like we need motorcycles my guess is because they're like sleek and fast but i mean you could also have like a drone do the same job so i'm not quite sure why the motorcycles are a thing can i pick up on your point there satsu and i agree with everything you said about the bikes why also does skynet have water snakes what was the deal with them and who also put them in that water as well how did they get there did they wriggle in there did, did someone go drop them into this like a presumably like a pond i was like all right maybe, maybe they're there to like find things like the submarine i'm like okay that makes sense but they're all in like shallow water they're all in like rivers what are they looking for people having a, a good like summer summer day is like frolicking in the water like ha got him do you think someone watched a documentary before they filmed this about you, you know how people go in the water and you know amazonian rainforests and things like that and they have all these horrid creatures just underneath the water do you think they watched that and they were like i want something similar in my film well you want water snakes you want electric eels literally electric eels in your film it's like yeah, why? McGee watched both, as you say, like the, the horrifying Amazonian nature documentary. Then he also watched The Great Escape. Because I watching this film, I could not believe how many references there are to The Great Escape in this film. <laughs> it was made me laugh how many times things are referenced, scenes are parodied. Like, it was just astounding. The motorcycle jump. Motorcycle jump. There's the bit where John Connor, like, you know, he, he strings the wire across and, like, knocks the, the Terminator motorbike. That's taken from The Great Escape. There's a bit where somebody climbs up a fence to get away and is, like, gunned down. There's so many of them. I couldn't believe it. I do think, with your point about the motorbikes as well, why do they design the motorbikes in such a way that should a human reprogram it, it could also ride it pretty easily like a regular motorbike? Like what? Like it's not. It doesn't need to be built in a way that's rideable. Should have like a giant spike on a saddle or something. Yeah, some like an anti-pigeon spikes kind of thing. <laughs> oh, too spiky. 
Oh, I can't, I can't lead the resistance now. It's uncomfortable. Speaking of like leading the resistance, can we go back to Christian Bale, who of course plays John Connor, and the fact there is absolutely no need for him in this film. Like we kind of alluded to it when we were talking about Terminator Three and how John Connor should have been like a secondary character in this film. He absolutely needed to be a secondary character but for some reason it's like one person writing a story and then someone who's written fan fiction of the same property trying to insert their story because i know there's like behind the scenes stuff of is it right in saying that christian bale wanted like a bigger role in this film and they refused to do it unless he was. That might be... I don't know that story, but that, that might be true. Because I think they, they certainly were at points in production planning for John Connor to be a much more secondary character. So that might explain why he's given much more prominence. I think as well, like the minute you hire like an actor... Like Christian Bale was... He still is a very big actor, but he you know he was especially a, a, a rising star at this point. The minute you hire something like that, you're kind of almost backed into a corner of making them sort of front and centre. He doesn't really do anything and that's like the worst thing. This is probably up there with one of the worst and weirdest scenes in human history where he wants access, for whatever reason, humanity has like this base and a submarine, which you think, okay, that's kind of makes sense. But then he's like, oh, can you give me permission to come on board? And he's like, no, no, we can't. And keep in mind, this is a very stormy ocean. And they say, no, you can't come in. And he's like, okay, I'll jump in the goddamn ocean just to go in. And then he gets berated by Michael Ironside who plays like a general. He does this big thing like, do you know we had to send out like our rescue crews just to get you? How did he survive that? Like it's bad enough searching the oceans for other things, but searching the ocean for someone in the middle of a storm, it is weird. It's like a very jarring scene when you're sitting there like, really? Is this the leader of the resistance? Like trying to kill himself? constantly like i mean what did you think green shield yeah I, I don't, i'm not sure i know know the scene you're talking about to be honest i i don't know if i if i if i missed that scene do you remember that adam it's very dark and i know the scene you're talking about like you might have missed it because it's like near pitch black in the thing and then like yeah as you say we don't even see john connor jump into the ocean yeah that's that's strange i don't know like all the acting in this film doesn't feel great and i i don't think it's all to do with the actors i think a lot of it to do with the writing uh, for some of these characters but as well like I don't know I forgot as well this was obviously the height of this was the time Sam Worthington was a big star as well oh my god sorry just to... oh, go. Sam Worthington is the same character in every movie he plays like he just plays the like really confused about everything that's happening around him kind of guy I think I've seen him in three things so I don't maybe I don't have his full sample size but in Avatar in this and in Clash of the Titans, I want to say. Yeah, he was in that. He's always just like so confused by everything around him. And it, he just has a constant like perplexed face going on. You know what you can add to that list as well? He also voiced Alex Mason in Black Ops, Black Ops 1 and Black Ops 2. Really? Yeah. So you can add the confused like <laughs> confused thing as well there for the first game. But yeah, I don't want to be mean to Sam Worthington, but I'm, I'm kind of with Green Shields. I don't think he's a particularly... <laughs> A particularly good actor, and I do have to laugh that his American accent like is constantly dropping out at, at points throughout the film. Where is he so, from? He's from Australia, I think, uh, or maybe New Zealand. I think it's Australia. There's though. so many Australian and New Zealand actors in Hollywood, and I, I didn't realize. Yeah, no, they're they're taking over. They're like the Skynet version of, <laughs> of actors. They've infiltrated Hollywood. They have. Oh my god! But yeah, like, I think as well the Mar- the Marcus character is kind of confusing as well because we're given very little time to like. He's right at the beginning, and we're given very little time to be like, okay, sympathize with this guy, and I'm like, but why? Does 
doesn't seem like a very nice person. It's like, no, sympathize with him. Trust me, it's important later. And then, like, yeah, then Helena Bonham Carton shows up for, for two minutes. And I found that first scene very uncomfortable between the two of them. I, I did not enjoy watching that scene in the prison cell. But then, yeah, I, I did have to like how we had, like, a, the, the credits rolled over this man getting executed. I was like, wow, this is a, <laughs> this doesn't feel like a great scene either. Yeah, and then the whole thing of when he comes up and then he turns out he's a robot. And I, I, I feel like as well, I feel like they felt at this point it couldn't be a Terminator film unless they had a good robot in there. It felt like it was like, well, we can't, we can't not have a good Terminator in the film where this film would like if he had just been a regular human or whatever like it would have made no difference the machine thing I think just kind of adds it just confuses the plot and I feel like the problem with this film like as a film is I feel like the first half has just so many like competing subplots that it's kind of like a bit of a mess I think it gets a little better towards the end because they kind of shrink down and start to converge so we've got like, Marcus trying to find out who he is we've then got the fact that we find out he's a robot like what's happening there we've got the secret signal that's going to shut all the Skynet down we have John Connor looking for Kyle Reese with Kyle Reese trying to survive in the way there's so many things happening it's just like they really needed to just I think strip it back a bit and just focus on a couple of things and I think that would have made for a much like tighter and better experience going back to the has to be a good robot it's like you have to see both sides of the argument both sides need to be represented like maybe there's some good robots out there do you know what it reminds me of and this is slightly off topic but I'm thinking of like another sci-fi franchise that I keep thinking what would happen if they had a PR department and how many would quit in day one so uh, I was thinking back to Star wars and how you know how the empire takes over and everything and back in the day when it came out all they had were the stormtroopers and everything and they had like darth vader and although a guy in like a creepy mask and everything doesn't give the best impression you thought okay maybe they can like spin that into some kind of propaganda of oh we're just doing this to protect you and then in later iterations of star wars they bring in things called inquisitors who are like these you know like clothed in dark clothing they've got like bright red lightsabers and you're like being PR people for them is a nightmare so I can't imagine being like PR for Skynet to be like oh yes our Terminators are doing this for humanity because I actually looked this up I looked up why Skynet did what it did why it wiped out humanity and apparently it changes per film like I think the first two was it was scared of being turned off and it was doing it for the betterment of humanity and then somebody said I don't know how true this is but I'm sure someone said that Terminator Salvation, they felt guilty or something about taking over humanity so that's why they were trying to create like hybrids and things and that's where the whole Marcus thing comes in. The Marcus thing, uh, as you were saying, like the Marcus thing, it's that there's just too much going on. And that's the thing though because in Terminator 2, and I know I keep going back to Terminator 1 and 2, but in Terminator 2, the fact that the T-800 was trying to explore his humanity was interesting because you want to know why? Because he was a robot he had no humanity to begin with and by the end of it when he's getting lowered down he realizes like why John Connor was crying why Linda Hamilton felt the way she did and this one it's like oh Marcus is trying to find his humanity and it's like he's already a human a bad human at that but you know like there, there was no reason for him going all Wizard of Oz at the end and giving John Connor his heart you know <laughs> oh my god another film it references yeah it does the Shawshank Redemption early on where Marcus like crawls out like covered in mud in the rain and just goes <laughs> just screaming for some reason. But... The first day I met Marcus, I knew he was a robot. <laughs> they can borrow another tagline from the Wizard of Oz if they only had a brain. That's all I'm saying. Like, <laughs> and, then, and then to like continue on that point, Skynet's plan with Marcus 
at the end where it's revealed like their entire plan was that Marcus would befriend Kyle Reese, have Kyle Reese be taken into Skynet, which would then lure John Connor to come and rescue him because Marcus would make contact with John Connor as well. And the two of them would, would sneak in together just so that John Connor could be brought into Skynet head- headquarters to terminate him. And then at which point Marcus would then go, oh, okay, I'll join Skynet now. What was the logic for from Skynet that that would be like at one point I think they said that like they took an, uh, a risky kind of decision which is very unusual for Skynet but it seemed like a lot of risky things and like a lot of things that would need to like pay off for those things to work and then at the end of that that Marcus would decide yes I realize I'm a machine I'm gonna stay with you guys of all the organs that they could have taken out of Marcus why did they keep his brain I mean I know they had like the chip inside but he could have torn that out easy why didn't they just just give him a cybernetic brain i guess because he needed to think that he was himself and human in order to infiltrate and so like if they'd made him a robot then he would have not been able to infiltrate as well skynet loves the drama that's that's the way i look at all of this skynet wants to do this in the most dramatic way possible because the thing that makes the most sense is okay the minute that the child snatcher robot gets hold of kyle and recognizes that it's kyle it's holding in its hand. It should just crush him in his hand and that would, the, Skynet would win because John Connor wouldn't exist anymore. But because Skynet wants to be dramatic, they had to put this whole plan together. This is clearly like a higher up site, right? I've made this whole plan. And they're like, oh, but we could just kill Kyle. No, 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 no. That's just phase one of the plan. Okay, we're going to move to phase two after that and it's going to be great. It's going to be great, guys. Okay, maybe you guys can explain this to me because there's like a paradox I feel here where why does Skynet know at this point that Kyle Reese and John Connor are important? Why are they searching for for Kyle Reese and John Connor. John Connor is not the leader of the resistance. He does the podcast, I guess. He does the radio broadcast to like motivate everyone. So I could guess that might be important. But how would they know that Kyle Reese is, is significant to him at this point? Because they've not gone back in time. That is a truly excellent point, Lucio, because Skynet doesn't know who in general, and they don't know who John's father is. They know who his mother is, but that that is an excellent point. There's no it's it's, it's plot. The only okay, so in Terminator 3, this virus that they end up using Skynet to combat, that was really released by the TX, correct? Did the TX start that virus? Oh, is that what she does with the phone? I think that's where the virus comes from that they oh. have, that, that, that they're they're protecting. I guess that virus might contain the information of, of like what she knows to tell Skynet about those kind of things. That's the only way I could think that like how Skynet knows the significance of John Connor and Kyle Reese. It's very bizarre that they would know at that point the significance of them. I have no answer because it makes no sense. No, you're right, because they do blow up the human command center, don't they? With the submarine. Yeah. Where they launch a huge torpedo into it, and you're like, well, okay, that's humanity destroyed. The head's cut off. Ah, But no, they have like this foresight to be like, oh, we know the future. So they become less a thinking binary machine to more, I don't know, fortune tellers at this point. To be like, oh, we calculated this. It's like, there's no way you would pick out John Connor. As you said, he's really relatively high up like he's not a commander he's not the member of like any council or anything he's just john connor captain commander whatever rank he is lieutenant i don't know adam do you remember oh general major lieutenant private pick anyone that one (laughs) general pain in the ass yeah this film is 
is honestly it's all over the place it's one of these films that and again going back to what you were saying Green Shield about not remembering that scene there is a lot of moments I have to admit where I remember I was watching it and I was like I don't remember that happening you know like with the Terminator motorcycles with the child catcher robot with the submarine as well but I remember that scene of him jumping in but it's just so hard to see a lot of things in this film it is literally it is a very dark film it is hard to see anything I actually did remember a fair chunk of this movie like the child catching robot I remembered I think because it reminded me of like the war of the worlds kind of thing which always frightened me as a child I remember the motorcycles just purely because I remembered the like trip wire thing that he does and how he like and how John Connor steals one of them and like for the certain, certain things that I remembered wrong like I thought that the Arnie CGI Arnie was in it for like longer at the end I thought that it was like a really long fight but he's in it for like a minute or so and then they like melt off his like Arnie skin presumably because the CGI that which just looked awful it looked like human Shrek from Shrek 2 the CGI was awful so I, and I assume it cost a lot and it looked bad so they were like alright well we'll have it melt off pretty quickly so we'll have a very quick reference and it, it's bad because it, it just further cements the fact like oh you didn't actually get Arnie for this movie why bother referencing him well is it correct in saying that after Terminator 3 that's when he ran for that's when for he governor. ran for the governor he was, he was yeah. governor at the point of this film was released for good reasons that's why he wasn't in the film but then again I could imagine him saying I don't want to be in this film and then they're like what about this money yeah no he'd still say no I think just a little bit more on, on CGI Arnie there as well I think what makes it extra bad is that I think actually one good thing about this film I'd say is that it actually uses quite a lot of practical effects which I think is actually quite good and lends like a, a bit of realism towards it but it makes CGI Arnie and that whole fight at the end just look extra ridiculous and for me it kind of borders into the territory again of like the T850 and the TX fight it's just these machines like throwing each other around like smashing through things it just looks stupid I do think that the T800s like walking around look brilliant that is done so so well I don't know if they're CG or or if they're practical effects or, or what but like compare that to like the stop motion that they did for the, the T-800 in Terminator 1 it looks so sleek I think that's certainly a positive towards it that it looks really good I don't know if you either of you ever been to Universal Studios and been to the Terminator kind of experience there R.I.P. Uh, they shut it down now it's gone yeah it's oh gone. that's a shame that, that was really fun the, the robot in that were very akin to those in uh, in Salvation and so like that that that's kind of my that's how I view the Terminator robots and so like when I went back and, and watched Terminator 1 and I was like oof that's it, they, they did what they could at the time but it looks rough kind of thing this, this is me I prefer the stop motion to the <laughs> to the smooth motion that's probably not a popular opinion that's just my own because I find I find stop motion very frightening very frightening and unnerving so it works yeah better. it's only un, it's only uncanny I think is the uh... I can see your point though like I, that's a very personal opinion to me so like I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't blame anybody for sharing your opinion yeah like and I did like the I did like the fact that they included things like the T 600 and stuff like the ones that have like the rubber skin and stuff and is that attempt to try and look human but really don't at all my only problem with that is that like yeah, they don't look human but the thing that gives them away is the giant freaking minigun that they're carrying around that you can see from a distance and be like that's probably a robot I don't see many human beings holding a minigun with one hand I never played it but they look they, look, they remind me of the Warhammer 40k is that what it is Warhammer 40k yeah it reminds, it reminds me of like one of the kind of marines from, from that 
Yeah, no, that's a fair point. Most of the effects aren't overly bad. Green Shield, I will agree with you on that. The T-800 Arnie at the very end is a bit rough. Like, no offence to Arnold Schwarzenegger, but the effects, like, are terrible. So the fact they blasted his face off that probably did the CGI some service. But this film is just all over the place, to be honest. Like, from the action to the effects. As I said before, it doesn't feel like a Terminator film at times bar having the Terminators in them. Skipping ahead as as we were talking about there with the ending, what did you guys think about the ending? So to kind of fill in everyone else, the ending basically culminates at this Terminator camp. Is that what insane, Adam? Is it like a... Because I can't actually remember what the Terminators do with the humans. It's like, do they take their skin? Do they make them work on Terminators? Like, what's the deal? I wasn't clear on that either. Yeah, if, we, if, if Adam's able to clarify that all, that would be helpful. Because I was like, why are they taking... Why are they, like, farming these humans? Because I, I was thinking about the Matrix and how like, they use them for batteries. And I'm like, no, that's, that's, that's the Matrix. That's not what they do for Terminators. So I wasn't sure. I don't know the deep... There's probably, like, a book or some, like, deep lore that explains. So I, I don't know that but the way I always took it and and going from how the first film describes it because the way that Kyle Reese describes the future is that in the future that he grew up in it's like there is no human resistance like the machines have basically won and what they've done is that the humans who haven't been killed in the nuclear war and like the initial sort of takeover have all been like rounded up into these kind of camps it's basically implied it's very much like a holocaust type thing where you know the camps are there for the extermination of humans but some are kept alive for things like body I mean sorry this is an incredibly dark and do apologize for this but it's like they're kept alive for things like body removal and some work tasks and things like that but they're eventually going to be exterminated and then John Connor kind of is the one who like brings it all together and, and like creates a resistance and like breaks the humans out of the camps and that's when the resistance is formed and they begin the proper fight back against the machines Don't they, it seems like in Salvation this seems like a like a main kind of major Skynet location which is like part manufacturing plant part command center but also part kind of concentration camp style like guess the humans are there to be killed there's some kind of elements that obviously when they get off the robot and they're going to get like shuffled into the camp to begin with there's those kind of overtone to it and everything but I'm not really sure like I don't think the film really wants to go into what's going to happen here and stuff but like my guess is it's something like that it's like an extermination type thing I do wonder like I know it's like those like cat scan kind of machines at one point I wonder if it's like research purposes so they can like study the humans and like understand them and so like if they do make robots like infiltrate the humans that like they can be more convincing yeah like that's probably a fair point as well yeah that's 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 kind of my, my thought it might be also like i mean what they used Kyle reese for was to lure people in and be less likely that the humans would bomb their factory because they know that they, they might hurt other humans so they might be using it as like leverage against the humans i can't remember if they actually do touch on that in the film if they're like oh it's because of these humans that are there and this stuffy general's like we gotta attack now and you know john connor's like i'm the hero of the resistance we don't attack now and you know it's like back and forth and back and forth you're like sweet jesus just attack it already and yeah you end up getting this huge battle scene where all the resistance members and prisoners are running away and the big showdown between the T-800s and John Connor and John Connor just gets absolutely annihilated and killed and as I alluded to before Marcus gives his heart up for John Connor to live. Now just before we kind of talk about our final thoughts and our thoughts in the ending Adam you had like a very interesting piece of trivia for an alternative ending to this film. 
Yeah, so th this absolutely fascinated me. I revealed half of the ending before we went on air, but this absolutely blew my mind that this was supposed to be the original ending to Salvation. So here we go. So, so the original ending was to have John Connor killed, but his image would be kept alive by the Resistance grafting his skin onto Marcus's cybernetic body. Now that is wild. That is wild to begin with. But then, Marcus was then supposed to murder Kate Brewster, Kyle Reese, and Star. I don't particularly like the ending to Terminator Salvation now, but that, that original ending is wild. Like, I don't understand what they're going for. So that they don't know? They can't, like, spread that it's not the real John Connor? You mean the first bit, why his, like, his skin is, like, grafted onto Marcus, which is a which is wild to begin with. Like, that's some, like, leather face, like, you know, shit there. But, like, yeah, so I guess to, to keep the idea of John Connor alive. But then the fact that, like, Marcus then murders Kate Brewster and, and Kyle Reese and stuff. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, are, are, they, are we killing them because they were, like, present and they, they knew that it's not the real John Connor and so to stop them like telling anyone they killed them I guess, but because John Connor's dead, it doesn't matter now that Kyle Reese dies, because to me, it's crazy. Like, I don't get, like, I can kind of, the first bit is crazy and wild to me, but I kind of can get it to an extent. It's in that second bit that just, I'm like, was this just like a shock for, for the sake of being a shock? If <laughs> you can kill John Connor and have Marcus replace him and pretend to be him, so long as, like, the likes of Kyle Reese don't know so then kyle because because then kyle reese can go still go back believing in john connor and then give birth to the original john connor or impregnate sarah connor to give birth to the original john connor like yeah if you kill kyle reese and that ends and like catherine brewster is then supposed to send arnie back in terminator 3 to protect john connor after john connor is killed by that same arnie but at that point it could have been Marcus John Connor and so maybe that's why Catherine wasn't as upset in the situation they were able to reprogram Marnie instead of just like destroying him I don't understand what the hell was going on with that original like ending like, as I say I don't particularly like the endings in the film it's okay I don't think it's anything special but I don't get what they were going for with that like and I like I you know I don't really like Genesis for the way it kind of messes up you know the, the Terminator timeline but this one I think would have been worse like I don't know what the hell would have gone you know after that so that's wild like Sansa, do you have any thought? Do you have anything to, <laughs> to like make sense of this or like any thoughts? Because it just blew my mind reading that. Well, if you read the Wikipedia page for this, you'll see that there's like a deep and interesting lore answer for this. But yeah, we'll save that for the next episode. No, <laughs> I have no idea. As horrific as it is, and you gave me into trouble for this, Adam. You were like, you can't put skin over guns and send them back in time. <laughs> what? What is this then? You know, I, I apologize for giving you for giving you crap for that. That that seems like a tame, logical. <laughs> Take now compared to what I've just read. I, I would rather see guns wrapped in meat bags than John Connor's skin, like sealed off, stretched over Marcus's like metallic body. They aren't even similar sizes. Marcus is huge, and John Connor's kind of oh like my God, slim. It's so stretched and rotten. Is it like you oh. know those Botox faces you see with oh. the skin back? Oh my God! Oh my beautiful Kate. It's like no, and then the film just ends. Da -da 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 divorce. Anyway. Would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. <laughs> oh, no. Oh my god. So we went from the Shawshank Redemption to in Silence of the Lambs over here. Talked about Terminator 3 having a depressing ending, but let's not forget Salvation was going to end with the death of an eight-year-old child. Well, I mean, Terminator 3 ended with the death of like a billion eight-year-old children, so. I know, but we didn't see that at the end of the day. We didn't get to know those billion eight-year-old children. And that's really what was the issue of Terminator 3, that we didn't get to meet those eight billion children. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, it's like that's like the I can't believe I'm quoting Joseph Stalin on the podcast, but that's the old like the death of one man's a tragedy, the death of millions a statistic. So moving on to our final thoughts. So... <laughs> <laughs> this is why Terminator and Soviet Russia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Adam, what are your final thoughts on this film before you get us cancelled? <laughs> I know, I do apologise for that. Yeah, my my thoughts on Salvation as a whole, like I kind of have similar thoughts on Salvation as I had on have on the Doom film. That I think if you if you strip off the kind of Terminator name and the Terminator imagery from this, I think it's like a average to just below average like sci-fi action film. Like it's not great, but I don't think it's terrible, and I think you can have some fun and some enjoyment watching it. But as somebody who somebody especially who really loves the first Terminator film what really annoys me about this film is the way it messes with that we don't have there's no there's no laser guns it's all just regular guns this isn't like a resistance movement anymore this is like a conventional war now basically between the humans and the machines Kyle Reese has moved from being this PTSD kid who's grown up in like you know the most horrific circumstances to almost like a kind of plucky wastelander just getting by in the in the post-apocalyptic world we have a T-800 introduced far too early on when it's supposed to be like something right at the end of the war it's coming far too early in. There's just too much, there's too much in here that irritates me and messes with, especially at a time when we're not into the stage yet where the films were starting to rewrite timeline and everything. This was still very much supposed to be a continuation of that original timeline, so the fact that it's messing with all that stuff annoys me. But yeah, so like, strip off the Terminator imagery, I think it's fine. I think it's fine as a film. Like, I think it's a bit messy, there's a bit too much going on, but it, it's passable, certainly. But with all the Terminator imagery and lore and, and what it does, like, it's just, it's just the anchor again that just weighs it down and I just, I, d- I don't I don't really care for this film. I really don't care for it. Yeah, jumping in there to, I kind of echo the point there. I agree. If it wasn't a Terminator movie and it was just like a sci-fi robot war movie, it would be a six or a seven out of ten. I think. I think probably closer to a six. Like it's passable. It's enjoyable enough. I think it's hindered by it needing to be linked to the Terminator franchise. That because it it then brings it down because it's then a weak Terminator film rather than being a semi decent sci fi film. It's it's a tricky one because it leaves a sour taste in your mind because it, it it doesn't really fulfill either role particularly well. Then what are your impressions then, Satsunami? Well, seeing as this is Adam's favorite film, I don't want to step into many tools here. Oh, good for. Are you? I'm going to go Christian Bale on your ass. <laughs> you know where I live. That's actually very scary. Please don't. It's a joke. <laughs> Jokes aside, though, going back to a point that was made earlier there, when you look at this film as a continuation of the original films, I actually don't think, like, it's a good point, I don't think this was meant to be, like, a reboot. Even though technically there are rebooty elements of it, there's not anything that would, you know, completely disregard 1 to 3. And I actually remember when this film came out, they packaged all four films together as a quadrilogy which I think was actually the first time I ever heard that word you know I was like what the hell is a quadrilogy and you look at it and you go oh a quadrilogy you know like it seemed weird to include that I know Simpsons reference but it is weird to consider this was a continuation and of the same both universe and of the same caliber as Terminator 1 2 and begrudgingly is 3 so yeah they were trying to like 
cling on to it's that staple of this franchise they were trying to cling on to the past and I think personally for me I think this is why they went the direction they did with Genesis and Dark Fate where they tried to completely reboot the entire franchise yeah we, we will talk about that next week to be honest <laughs> we are running out of time to talk about Genesis and thingy but these movies one to three lean very heavily on the time travel element with the sci-fi whereas salvation doesn't include that at all there's the awareness of time travel with the likes of needing to rescue Cal Reese so that he can travel back in time and um, be with Sarah Connor. But without that, without Arnie, you are left with a very bland sci-fi story that has been kind of done to death in many ways with regards to like a fighting against either like an alien or robot kind of uprising kind of thing. So yeah, I think that that's really what Salvation lacks, that time travel interest. And I've not seen Genesis or Dark Fate. I assume both of those in Involve time travel. I, I know that like that doesn't rescue them from what I've heard that they're both not very good movies. But I think Salvation is very unique and unfortunate in that it's relying entirely on this sci-fi robot war story that isn't particularly interesting because the time travel aspect is what makes a lot of the Terminator films quite interesting. I think the main issue, and this will be my final point, don't worry, but I feel as if the issue, the more these films go on, is in the first film, it was a killer machine that completely could not be stopped as Kyle Reese says in the film he says it can't be bargained with, it can't be stopped it can't be destroyed, it can't be killed and all of that. In Terminator 2 as I've said before and I know this is a point I always say but like it does feel as if that was the time where they did start to pluck these tropes because it's such a good film they plucked certain tropes like oh we have to have bigger and badder Terminators and we have to have this kind of machine on machine action. The fact that the T-800 is punching the T-1000, they're having a big brawl, that was cool to see. But when you get to Terminator 3 and you get the TX and everything, you're like, oh god, this is just so dull and it just seems over the top. And then when you get to Terminator Salvation, it's almost as if they said, right, we're going to have a Blue Peter contest and all these kids are going to draw their favourite robots and we're going to try to incorporate it in any way we can. So that's why you've got the motorcycle one, you've got the electric eels, you've got the child catcher robot, you know, you've got all of these like elements that should be a relatively good story, but there's no direction. See, after the original trilogy, like Judgment Day happened. This is something I am going to talk about in future episodes, but the long and short of it is I think they made a terrible mistake by placing so much emphasis on John Connor as a pivotal character, because at the end of the day, there's a whole world out there being dominant by Skynet. There's a whole vast world and there's loads of stories they could have brought in, but at the end of the day, they have this like narrow view of, let's focus on John Connor, even though in this film, it has nothing to do. And the crux of it is John Connor's marketable. You could say Sarah Connor, John Connor, Kyle Reese. These are characters that you know. So to throw these into like such a generic action film and say, oh yeah, do you remember these characters? And you think, that's not enough to save this film. And again, I'm going to point this out before we finish up, but this isn't the worst. I don't know. I wouldn't say, after watching Genesis and Dark Fate, this is probably the most boring 
I would say, like, Adam, would you agree with this and Green Shield as well? But would you agree that this isn't the worst one, I would say, but it's certainly the most boring out of all of them? That's maybe fair. I mean, I've yet to see Dark Fate, so um, I will I will reserve judgment until I've seen that one. But I would probably agree with you that I think Genesis is worse, but slightly more interesting. <laughs> for like what it's trying to do and some of the decisions it makes. Well, I agree, this is quite a dull film. There's not all that much to really get excited about or get completely angry about, you know, despite the fact that I had a little bit of a nerd rage at the lore changes. I don't think there's all that much to get really worked up about. I mean, ironic since Christian Bale would just freak out, but I, I would agree with you generally on that point. Yeah, I agree as well that I have not seen either Genesis or Dark Fate, so I can't say for sure, but like it is the least interesting of those I've seen. It is my least favorite of those that I've seen, but I figure from what I've heard of Dark Fate and Genesis I probably would enjoy this more than those ones but again I can't say that for sure I do think that there are some things I do like I know I, I know you guys aren't as as fond of necessarily all these acting choices but I quite liked Anton Yelchin as Carl Reese and rest in peace Anton Yelchin he uh, he passed away a number of years ago but I think I think his portrayal of Carl Reese was very interesting there was a lot of Tom Holland about it which was quite interesting and you can kind of see his kind of in- ingenuity in this film I feel that like would progress and build to what he becomes as he grows up and, and is then sent back in time so I which I assume is another like five to ten years from this point so I do think that that was good Christian Bale as John Connor is okay. I I don't think he's bad. I like him, I think, more, to be honest, than I do Nick Style. But yeah, and one of my least favorite was Bryce Dallas Howard as Catherine Brewster. I thought she was dreadful. Claire Danes was was much better and I would have preferred if they kept her on, but it would have been weird if only she returned. She's not given much to do, I think, is the is the issue with Bryce Dallas Howard as well. Like that character is really quite underwritten, to be honest. She's just there. Yeah. It feels as if she's just there to be like, oh look, John's body. It's like, okay. Yeah, like surprise face constantly. Remember Terminator 3? Remember when Arnie got grabbed by the balls and walked through a wall? And they had to zoom up on his expression. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what the worst thing about this is? Like, the fact that we thought that these two films were the worst (laughs) the Terminator franchise could ever be. Because this is a thing I personally thought before I entered the age of the reboots with Genesis and Dark Fate. I genuinely thought that the worst Terminators could ever be where Terminator 3 and Salvation I thought that was the worst it could ever go nothing could top that and unfortunately we got a fate far darker pardon the pun and yeah on that note Green Shield thank you so much for joining us in our both our crusade against the podcast bots and talking about these films again yeah actually this is the first episode you've been on for season 3 so welcome back to season 3 of Chat Tsunami oh thank you yeah lovely to be back I, I love it and this might is this the first non-cartoon episode i've been on it might actually it could be, be. Um, how exciting aren't you thrilled it was for terminator 3 and salvation oh <laughs> so so happy that i'm so happy i was chosen for these movies you're in the big leagues now next week we're going to be talking about doom and doom <laughs> <laughs> Nah, that's for another episode. But thank you all so, so much for listening. As always, stay safe, stay awesome, stay hydrated, and prepare for the worst.